It's Ten Times the Terror. Hello and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. I'm not okay. Hello again. Uh, this is Paul, and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. Today, I want to talk about Val Luton, who made an impressive series of horror films back in the 1940s, and they were very influential. What made Luton especially important was he took the position that what you don't see is more scary than what you do see. So he's called a master of shadows. And he made nine films for RKO Radio, who were, were not, a, not a huge studio. But each one of them is memorable, and several of them are really outstanding, are classics. The first one was Cat People, about a young woman who claims to have been cursed by uh, cat worshippers, uh, idolaters back in Europe. And she fears that she can turn into a giant panther and kill anyone uh, that initiates any kind of lovemaking with her, even kissing her. So we have this strange position where she's married to this man. And Simone Simon plays the woman. She's a French actress. And uh, Ken Smith is the, is, the, is the boyfriend husband. And they're in this odd situation where they're living essentially just like brother and sister because she's so afraid that any passion that gets unleashed is going to lead her into some kind of murderous transformation into not just an ordinary cat, but some kind of a panther, a deadly, a deadly cat. It has some similarities to The Wolfman, which was made just a year before. And you have this same question about, is this all in the person's mind? Have they just made this up somehow? And of course, there's a lot of characters in, the, in, the, in both films who are saying, oh, no, no, this can't possibly be real. You're just imagining it. Well, as the viewer suspects and ultimately realizes, it's all too real. And that happens in the case here with uh, cat people, a psychiatrist who's been sent to try to help uh, help this young woman starts having designs on her, tries to kiss her, at which point she turns into a, uh, a black panther and kills him and then is finally uh, hit by a, struck by a car uh, afterward. The very moody, very kind of strange, dark film. Uh, in many ways, I think it's quite superior to The Wolfman, which is a little more direct and overt and upfront. The idea being there's a curse. You get bitten by a wolf, you become a wolf when the, when the full moon comes up. Even a person who is pure in heart and says their prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bang blooms and the autumn moon is bright and all that kind of thing. Here, it's, it's this repressed sexuality or something else. But the fact that what triggers the cat monster, if you will, the cat person and cat people, is not some simple thing like the moon is up. It's the sense of passion, that if her passions or even her sexual urges get aroused, she becomes this deadly black panther. Now, this was probably pretty heady stuff back in 1942 when it was released. But some people must have picked up on the idea of the sexual repression and some of these other kind of themes that are there. 
This is what makes Val Luton's film so interesting. They're multidimensional. There was then a film called Curse of the Cat People, which would seem to be a sequel. And it, it is a kind of sequel, but it's a, an even more unusual film. It's really a film about childhood. And it's about a little girl who feels alone. And the, the, the cat woman of the previous film shows up as kind of a dream figure that's like an imaginary playmate for her. And her father is the former husband of this cat person. But the film is not really a horror film at all. It's really a film about a childhood and lost innocence. And this child is trying desperately to connect with not, not just her, her parents, but with her whole world. One of the best movies ever made about children, the title has nothing to do really with what the movie's about. These titles were pre-sold uh, to distributors on the grounds that they would bring in audiences because the way the title was, was set up. But that's not the case. But Curse of the Cat People was directed by Robert Wise, who went on to become a major, a major director. He directed one of the best Val Luton movies, which was The Body Snatcher starring Boris Karloff and with um, Henry Danielf and Bela Lugosi. This was based on a Robert Louis Stevenson short story, and it's very moody, and it was based on a true, true historical situation. There were these two grave robbers in, in Edinburgh, Scotland, back in the 19th century, who would dig up recently buried bodies and sell them to a local hospital, to, to the university, for doctors to do research on them. But when they ran out of recent deaths, they started making their own. In other words, they started killing people and then selling the, pardon the expression, fresh bodies uh, to the medical clinic. And, and that's presided over by, by Henry Danielle. And also in the cast is Bela Lugosi, who has a short but memorable part. And it's, a, it's set in period. And again, it was based on the Robert Louis Stevenson short story, which is based in turn on the historical situation that finally these two were found out. And even the doctor to whom they were selling the cadavers was implicated. And Boris Karloff's performance in this film is uh, one of the absolute best he ever gave, uh, even allowing for his um, famous The Frankenstein Monster. But Robert Wise directed later, later horror film The Haunting. Uh, he directed a science fiction classic, The Day the Earth Stood Still. But um, actually, he's most famous for making the first version of West Side Story, 1961 version. And also his most famous film, actually, most popular film is The Sound of Music, winner of multiple Academy Awards. So these directors, are professionals who worked with Val Luton, were being schooled in just basic arts of cinema kind of questions. But to mention again, Boris Karloff uh, appeared in three of these films, The Body Snatcher, I would just mention, and he's very, very spooky in that. He, he's really blackmailing this doctor played by Henry Daniel. And uh, he's a very grim figure. Again, these films have no violence to speak of and certainly no blood and gore. The, the violence is very, very minimal, whatever there is of it. But they're all heavily atmospheric. And people have described Val Luton's films as a land of shadows. And that certainly is, is accurate. There's several other films that, that, that were done here with, with Boris Karloff. 
One was called Isle of the Dead, and that was directed by Mark Robeson, who went on to have quite a career in the 1950s, made films with Paul Newman from The Terrace and The Prize, and probably his most popular film was Peyton Place later on in the 1950s. And Isle of the Dead uh, is set in, a, in, in an island off of Greece, where there is, again, these fearful spirits are uh, present. The centerpiece of the film is a woman who's uh, an epileptic and lives in fear of being buried alive, classic Edgar Allan Poe kind of device. And there is a harrowing scene, uh, brilliantly put together, where this woman has died, and we, the audience, know she's not really dead. She's simply had an, an epileptic fit, but people didn't pick up on that. And she's inside of a coffin in a crypt, a crypt that's above ground. But she's in this in this crypt, and so the, in this in this one scene, the camera is just focusing on the uh, the coffin that's in the crypt, and we hear sounds which we recognize as this poor woman is waking up, and then she's like feeling her surroundings, and she realizes then that she ha is in a coffin that she's in fact been buried alive and she lets out this piercing shriek it is a very scary scene you don't even see a person you just hear the sound effects but that's uh, how effective that Val Luton could be one uh, another key director that he worked with was Jacques Turner who directed Cat People uh, also a film with another kind of wild title, I Walked with a Zombie. Jacques Turner was able to convey just spiritual truths. He did one of the best films ever about a Christian pastor called Stars in My Crown. And he has, in this film, a strong sense of voodoo. Uh, I Walked with a Zombie, rather, I'm, when I talk about I Walked with a Zombie, there's that, it's set in the Caribbean, uh, in, in, in off an island, and uh, with a voodoo, essentially in Haiti. And again, it's very kind of spooky and very kind of strange. And Turner does a great job uh, with that. So that it actually has some similarities with Jane Eyre. Uh, there's this uh, young woman who comes uh, into this household unaware of what what her employer is really all about. And he's a tragic figure and he's got this wife who's considered to be crazy. All these things are very reminiscent of Jane Eyre, which was actually filmed around the same time with Orson Welles in the cast. And even though he doesn't get the directorial credit for it, it looks like Welles definitely directed part of that film. So the, these films are piling up on top of each other, whether it's The Wolfman or uh, Jane Eyre or whatever, they're all kind of coming together. But Val Luton is playing a critical role. And again, he's the producer. So he's setting these things up. He's really teaching film artistry in the same context that he's doing films that are supposed to be commercially profitable because they're paid, set for a horror audience, but they're far more complex. Uh, as I've indicated, there's, they're not conventional. There isn't, he at one point was either here, Robert Weiss made some comment about in the universal horror films basically a woman is chased up a tree by a, by a werewolf, and that's kind of the upshot of it. Well, that's a little too critical, a little, a little too negative. But the fact remains that 
And Val Lewton achieved a huge amount of effect with very little substance, with just suggestions. And this idea, we mentioned this last time, we're talking about how I came to be involved with horror films, interested in them. He had this device, which was called the bus. And I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it was a sequence, this is from Cat People, in which a woman is walking alone at night in Central Park, of all places. And she thinks something is following her. And then all of a sudden, unexpectedly, we hear this big whoosh. And it's the opening of a bus, a door of a bus, which, but initially, she jumps, we jump when we first hear this. And then she gets on the bus and she's in apparent safety. But film after film, he has something like that, where all of a sudden, something outside the frame of the film gives you this noise and kind of has you stand up. And, and sort of like, what, what's happening? Who did that? Who's there? And very much this theme of who's there is vital to the Val Luton films. There's something out there following us, something out there stalking us, and we don't really know what it is. This is a film called The Leopard Man he did, where you feature this, this Black Panther again, who appeared in Cat People, a resident part of the acting troupe is this Black Panther. And that film also deals with this idea of being stalked, in this case, stalked by the leopard. It's actually a, a, a black leopard. And uh, well, there's a very shocking scene in that film where uh, a young child has been disobedient. His mother's given, given, uh, given her, I think, a hard time. And she's outside. And then all of a sudden, she's being followed by the, by the, the leopard. And she rushes to the house. And we don't see her. We see the mother who thinks that she's trying just to get attention. And she's banging on the door saying, let me in, let me in. And the mother is saying, no, no, you, you, you've got to go to this, whatever, go to the store, complete your errands. I've had enough of your nonsense. And then the next thing you know, we have a scene of the door and blood starts flowing under the door. Again, we never see the little girl. We never see an attack, but it's very, very haunting. And very disturbing that uh, this takes place. Another film uh, that is very notable, and and another director. I mentioned the director Mark Robeson. I mentioned who, who did Island uh, Island of the Dead. Did a film called Bedlam about the notorious uh, insane asylum in the 18th century, where people who were judged to be insane were just in effect locked away. There's no serious treatment or whatever. And Boris Karloff plays the head of this asylum. And he's he's very corrupt. And eventually, needless to say, the inmates get their revenge on him. But again, it's all very, very moodily done. And there's a, a woman who is the whole rest of the whole base part of the film. And again, this is spoiler alerts, who just stands against the wall with a kind of a blank expression in much of the film. And at the very end, when Karloff is trying to back away from the inmates who are trying to get their just revenge, uh, she has taken a, a trowel, you know, they used to cover, to, to work in a garden, and uh, she hold, holds this thing up, and he's backing up toward her. He thinks she just doesn't respond, she's not mobile, but he gets too close, and she uh, stabs him in the back with this uh, shovel thing, this uh, uh, trowel, and uh, that basically is going to do him in. Uh, the inmates decide the best way they, they can cover up his death because they'll be blamed for it is to 
wall up a section of their of their surroundings, their their big big room that they live in, wall it up and place them inside that wall, and nobody will ever find the body or nothing ever happened to him. So that they do this, but just as they're about to put the last brick in, Karloff's slumped over there. But they think he's dead. We think he's dead. But all of a sudden, his he opens his eyes, his head lifts up, and, and the last brick goes in, and he's again buried alive. Another uh, another kind of frightening, really theme. So these these films show that imagination uh, is by far the most important element in these kind of films. That you have to imagine things and again it's the, the things that we can imagine ourselves are far more frightening than what somebody else can scare us with by some other kind of thing they're acting out uh, you can have all the werewolves and mummies and uh, zombies and so forth as you want but they're not really none of them are as frightening as our idea of what those figures might be like well we're moving along here i want to mention what i think though is the the best film that Val Luton did in this series. And it's not really the most famous, but it, it, I think it's just outstanding. And again, plays into my, uh, my role as a retired minister. It's a film called The Seventh Victim. And it's about a devil cult in Greenwich Village, of all places. And this woman gets caught up in this devil cult and then tries to break away from it but the, the believers in the cult take the position that if you ever try to leave the cult, you're betraying it, and then you, you have to be killed. And so she is the seventh victim uh, in this bizarre kind of commitment that if you try to leave the cult, the, the members will come after you and will kill you. So the uh, film opens with her sister uh, starting to look for her because she's, she is missing. And she's also kind of like, in effect, in hiding. So that, that's going on. There's also a scene in the film here, and the, the sister is played by Kim Hunter, who is a fairly well-known, fairly well-known associate actor, actress. And there is a scene that looks like it's a, uh, an inspiration for Psycho, where uh, this woman's in a shower, and uh, it's actually an older woman comes in and, and confronts her through the shower curtain. Now, She's not going to try to kill her. She doesn't have a weapon. But it sets up this picture, which definitely reminds us of Psycho, of where the woman is very vulnerable. She's in the shower, and some dark figure all of a sudden comes unexpectedly and, and terrorizes her. And so one can look at that and say, yeah, well, Hitchcock must have seen that somewhere along the line, and it must have been an inspiration for Psycho. So, again, the, the influence of Val Luton casts a, a large shadow uh, on all, all kinds of people. Go back to the seventh victim. There are, there's all kinds of these stalking parts. And the other thing is they, they're trying, to, what the cult wants to convey, what, the, what they threaten people with, is they, they want them to commit suicide, which gets them out of the way easily. Uh, and then that avoids the necessity of actually committing murder, which could lead to other problems. So that's being set up here. And this poor woman keeps hiding. And, and what eventually happens, uh, she's in an apartment building with uh, this other woman who shows up in uh, Val Loon's films, a, a woman named Jane Randolph. And there's a scene of the two of them where this Jane Randolph has been sick and she's been, uh, her character, 
and she's been laid up in, the, in her apartment, hasn't gone out. And she has to talk with this uh, the, the woman who's the, the victim, whose name is Jacqueline, played by Jean Brooks. And they have this exchange. And uh, Jacqueline even see, seems to say, well, you should, to, to this other character who's been depressed and sick, go out and try to have a good time. And so she's going to agree to do that. But what happens at the ver very end of the film, and in a number of these films, Val Luton quotes from John Donne, of all things. But John Donne's most favorite poem is, Death Be Not Proud. So that in itself is a challenging part about death. At the end of The Seventh Victim, though, Jane Randolph character is going out. She's, we, we, see that, we don't see her in the apartment, but she comes out of the apartment in the hallway. There's a staircase. And she's about to go out. And she's, she's dressed up. And she's going to, quote, have some fun, have some life to her. But as she is walking down the steps, we hear the other, another sound from uh, Jacqueline's apartment. And we realize what it's done is that uh, she, she had a noose set up there with a, a stool. And she's kicked over the stool and she's hanged herself. Again, we don't see any of that. We just hear it. But we realize what's going on. One of the most effective scenes in this film, which I, I think is, is the, it's hard to pick one uh, of all the Val Luton ones as being uh, the, the best or, or, or uh, a classic of some kind. It all works together well. But there's a great scene where this uh, friend uh, who's played by Tom Conway is in a number of these films. He was uh, kind of an aristocratic British figure. And he and another friend of traced this Jacqueline to the, the devil's code, devil's group that's meeting there in, in Greenwich Village, he confronts them uh, with how pathetic they are. And their response to him is, we didn't ask your opinion. And he, in effect, says, well, I'll give it to you anyway. And what he does is he quotes from the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as he's quoting it, they you have this this group of they look like perfectly normal people, you know, even though they're part of a of a of a witchcraft coven. As he's quoting this line from the Lord's Prayer, we see the expression on their faces, and they all look down, look away. You can see they're it's it's not a not nobody is screaming or trying to run away or anything like that. But what we do see is they are very troubled by what they're hearing, and they they turn away, they look away. And that kind of sets up the idea here that these devil worshipers do not have any real power. They only have the power that someone gives to them. And the tragedy here is that this victim, the seventh victim of the title, that Jacqueline takes the challenge of committing suicide, which is what they want her to do. But the point that's being made in the film is she doesn't have to do that. And these devil worshipers don't have the power to make her do that. And we end up with another quote from John Donne. It's just a fascinating film, as are most of Val Luton's pictures. Uh, let me sort of wrap that up. I would just say that one good thing is that these films are very available now. There's nine of them. And uh, another one we didn't mention is Ghost Ship. Uh, you can think of that as a haunted ship. But again, what makes these films so effective is their sense of mood and the sense of setting. And you really don't see a whole lot of anything in terms of the supernatural, much less any kind of violence. What you do see, or actually better, what you hear 
is what's going on, like a woman being buried alive or the woman committing suicide. You hear these things and you imagine them in your in your own mind, your own imagination. And it's far more disturbing than if you saw anything. Looking back in the hindsight of some 80 years, we've had all kinds of splatter movies over the course of time, uh, lots of violence and lots of bloodshed. And it, there aren't that many filmmakers, producers or directors who can match Val Luton with this idea that what you don't see is more frightening than what you do see. So this is uh, Paul. I'm signing off for 10 Times the Terror. See you next time. Thank you for listening to It's 10 Times the Terror. The podcast. One of my favorite films ever. (laughs) Let's do that for again. Thank you for listening to 10 Times the Terror. This podcast would not be possible without listeners like you. You can find out more about our podcast by visiting our website, 10timestheterror.com. That's 10xtheterror.com.